feeling good. We're back. We're on IG Live again. We are on IG Live. Feels good. Damn it, we made it in America. Still making it. Get nervous, though. Let's get nervous out here. Come on now. Sweet Father Sweet Jesus. I don't know what. Welcome back, everybody. This is She and I. I am your host, B-Love, and I always have my very special, inconvenient host with me. India Marie. India Marie and B-Love, the husband and wife duo you didn't know you need, but you got us, and we are here to stay. This is the best thing to happen on a Tuesday, well, since Monday. Give it up one time. Listen to me. It feels good to be back um, doing another episode that means a lot to us, that hopefully means a lot to you guys. So this is going to be a little bit different from our normal format because we are joined by another extra special guest, my man, Jamel. Give it up for Jamel one time, man. Give it up for Jamil. That is it. That is listen. I had to bring my guy on because he came highly recommended from a friend of ours, man. So shout out to my guy, Chris Ryan. Chris Ryan said, man, listen, um, I got the perfect guy to have on the podcast during these times. And I said, who are you talking about? He said, go follow Nashville Red on Instagram. He knows a lot about a lot, and you need to follow him right now. So, shit, who am I to mess up tradition? I went and hit the follow button <laughs> instantly. And, man, so listen, Jamel, I am so happy to have you here um, to speak on a subject that a lot of people just don't know about my brother, and that's defunding the police. Yeah, um, I think that from what I've been seeing, there's a little confusion around what defunding the police is. So we wanted someone that's kind of an expert on the subject to come in and break it all the way down. No pressure, man. She didn't mean to put that pressure on you, too. Like, <laughs> I want an expert on the situation. Listen, man, you don't need to be an expert. You just got to know more than we know. And we that's fine with me. We want someone that's well-versed on the subject to come and break it down to our people. Yeah, for sure. And, and, I, and I also want to say, this is not a new subject, right? We're just right. framing it different. Like, King, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, this is what he was calling for, defunding the police. Ah. His, his stance against Vietnam was about demilitarizing, defunding police and investing in our communities. Also, like, those colloquiums that we use around Black power yeah. are based in defunding the police, right? Black mm-hmm. Panthers, defund the police. Ah. Uh, SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, defund the police. Matter of fact, our civil rights leaders have been asking for defund the police for a while, but they've been asking for things like... Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear that? That's what they're saying. Like, defund the police. So I want to say that first, frame it. This is not a new idea. It's not even a revolutionary or radical idea. It's just the fact that we've woven police into all of our systems of society. So when you say defund the police, your immediate response is, okay, like, these are the people that's holding all these spaces safe from church, (laughs) daycare, grocery stores, banks, 
literally every single area that you're in as a police or on police officer there to keep in the eyes of keeping you safe. So I want to say that too. That's what it, that's what's so jarring. Yes. It's literally like we can't imagine what it would look like with a society without police anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing about the entire statement. So I'll be honest, you know, we had pre-production and we kind of already talked. Um, but I think that's the biggest misnomer about the entire phrase. When somebody hears defunding the police, and this is me coming from like a marketing standpoint by profession, it's like they think automatically defund means to detach, means to take away yeah. or like means to remove. And it's a bad it's a bad almost connotation to the word defund. So people automatically like, man, uh-uh, we need police because what if somebody breaks in my house? What am I going to do? So the defund the police is uh, it's not saying like, hey, we're going to get rid of the police. It's a bad idea. But it's saying that we're going to take the funds away from the police and reallocate those police funds into different places. Right, right. With the hope still of getting to a place where we're in a cop-free world. Right. right. That should be that should be where we're headed. Mm-hmm. We should be headed to a place where we don't have cops or cages. Right. Like straight up. Um, and, and the reason why I get to that is because like I come from a nonprofit world and in a nonprofit world and even the mediation where you are told you need to do your job so well mm-hmm. that no one remembers you and you're out of a job. Right. Like you're yeah. putting yourself out of business. And that's how our cops, our criminal justice legal system all should be set up in that way. Right. Where they're putting people, where they're putting, literally putting themselves out of business. And just as far as our money, right, we have two major crime reform bills. And we can talk about this later because I feel like this is a slow walk. But I'm a historian <laughs> by nature. I love history. Hey, so. listen, man, break it down. We need right. all that. We need that energy. I want to know. Yeah, everything happens in context. So we can slow walk it. Okay. Um, so before Tennessee becomes a state in 1796. Okay. Right, the laws that govern the territory are the same laws that govern the Carolinas. Mm. So let's reverse. Before Tennessee is a state, it is considered a part of the Carolinas. Okay. The Carolinas are where the first slave patrols are organized in 1706. Yep. And those slave patrols are organized for three things, right? Right. One, to return property, chattel slavery, chattel yep. slaves, in other words, in other words, enslaved in and imprison Africans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To return that property back to their slave owners, mm-hmm. right? Two, to defer that property being stolen by themselves. I know that's crazy. Yeah. That don't make sense. <laughs> None. <laughs> but that, but that's the second thing. And third thing is to literally terrorize slaves so they do not revolt, mm-hmm. right? So our policing, police are based on that foundation, straight up. Like, Without a shadow of a doubt. So we can't talk about policing unless we talk about them being used to protect property because that's what they're for. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the disconnect is happening, right? Okay. They're not they're not they're not for the security of our lives. They're not for the maintaining of our lives. They're not for protecting responding. No, they're literally for serving the elites to protect their property. Ah. Right? Okay. And that's the that's the basis of it. And like until we grapple with that history mm-hmm. as a people, we're always going to think that we can reform police when we can't reform it. It's literally baked into the foundation. We're yeah. at the ceiling now and we're not dealing with the cracks in the foundation. And then 
two, right? We have two of the biggest reforms um, in the 21st century. Yes, right? sir. The 1968 Safe Street Act by Lyndon B. Johnson. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the 1994 Crime Bill by Clinton. Both of those things pour billions of dollars into police departments across this country with the idea or with the theme of wanting to improve community and police relationships, right? Yep, yep. The only problem with that is it does not change the way police treat people. Yeah, yeah. So so, uh, uh, now, instead of the police being rude all the time, they'll have a barbecue on Sunday and then they're right (laughs) back and being rude the rest of the week. Blows your mind. So that's where we are. That's where we are. That see, mm-hmm. I, I I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about the Tennessee being a part of the Carolinas. You know, oops, I didn't know any of that. But that brings me to a good point. You said something about like community policing, and you mentioned that. But I'm a, I'm, I'm gonna kind of double back too. I heard sure. I heard last week. Um, the question came up to Joe Biden, and somebody asked Joe Biden that he believe in defunding the police, and he said what you just mentioned. He believed in reform the police. He believed in putting more money into the police force to get them reform instead of defunding the police. And I feel like that was to me that was kind of ass backwards to what you guys are, what I, what we all believe in right now. Like, let's take those funds and instead of putting them back to a police reform, let's do some community reform. Let's build up these communities that will help us instead of putting that money back into the police force. And like you said, back in the cages. For sure. And, and, and also, like, we have two different types of reform, mm-hmm. right? We have reformist reform and then we have abolition reform, right? Mm-hmm. Which abolition reform is rooted in what we talked about earlier, like getting to a place where we're in a cop-free world, okay. right? Reformist reform is only about alleviating it, making it a little bit less hurtful, okay. right? But we've done all of this before. Like I said, like we had two major crime bills completely overloaded, added departments to the Department of Justice, mm-hmm. added all of these government mechanisms. But what did we end up at the end of the day? We end up with black folks <laughs> still dying it, right. at the hands of police. Right. So we can't keep trying to reform something that is merely based in chattel slavery. Yeah. That is also dehumanized police. So it's like a narrative of racism and anti-blackness mm-hmm. that is being woven into this reform language and speak. It's just like, do you value black lives? That's because it. if you do, then we need to literally start talking about having a cop-free world because this will always happen to us. Right, right, right. So with that being said, if having a cop-free world is the end goal to all of this, let me ask you a question. So what does it now look when somebody would, if somebody were to call 911 in the cop-free world? What's going to happen when somebody inevitably breaks into my house? What's going to happen when... um you know, I, I don't know. I, you get mugged or something. So then, what happens sure. at that point? And that and that and that's real. That's yep. a real question. You know what I'm saying? And like, and what and what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about not having any accountability. Right, right. We're not talking about having no accountability at all. 
but that's a that's a real real question. So I can frame. It's a couple of things that happen across this globe. Yep. That don't happen in Nashville very specifically when it comes to those type of things, right? You know what's funny? I looked up something just, just, just to be well versed on this topic tonight. I looked up a program, but I'm gonna let you go first. But it, go ahead, go. We are gonna get to it. So so that so there's things like what we have like mental health professionals, non-armed mental health professionals as first responders. Yep. We have non-armed trauma responders as first responders. We have credible messenger programs that will that interrupt the transmission of violence. So we have like whole global groups. Uh, I think one that's really successful if, if people want to uh, look one up is the one in Trinidad, right? Jamaica. Yep. Right. That's one where they literally have a restorative center near every single precinct. So before you call the police, you can say to a restorative center, yo, I'm having this issue with my neighbor. Can we sit down and talk? Because I also want to frame this, right? Okay, okay. And this is a crazy number. I'm not sure if it's been updated, but it's a crazy number. Like almost 11 million out of the 14 million people we have locked up in cages are there for nonviolent offenses. Yes, sir. Offenses that did not hurt anyone, mm-hmm. right? 40% of those folks are black. Dang. So I'm saying we're locking folks up for trying to survive. We've criminalized survival. So the harm that we're talking about here that we that we call police on are community harms. Right. Most conflicts start at the community level, right? This narrative of black on black crime, right? We hear that we hear that shit all the time. All the and time. It's, and it's, and it's trying to get to something, though. It's trying to get to something, okay. right? It's trying to get to something. And what's right about it is it is most of our crime that we experience, our community, is black on black. But it's because our communities are segregated, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So white folks hurt white folks. Brown folks hurt brown folks. Black folks hurt black folks. Yeah. So that's again, that's, again, that anti-blackness being weaved. But what I'm saying is the harm at the community level, can mm-hmm. literally be settled by three things, right? Right. Communities with well-trained people that know how to de-escalate shit. Yep. We all know that, right? Everybody got this peaceful OG <laughs> that lives somewhere around them, or this old head, or this grandmama that you know ain't nobody finna do no dirt to. Sure. What if it was their full-time job to keep our streets safe? That'd be what if that's yeah. all they did all day? Yeah. yeah. What if that's all they did? The second thing, second, set, literally second thing, right? Trauma response, non-armed trauma responders that live in our community, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we also know what this is. Everybody got their person in their community that feed folks. Right. They always yeah. come. They always come to their house. They always got food. What if that was their full-time job to literally just feed people all day? Damn. Literally. So we so we got these systems in our head, right? We know these things. Right. It's just <laughs> making sure that our government is providing those things, and we have to force them to do that. So that's what harm prevention harm reduction looks like when the community leads it without cops that's mm-hmm. what a cop-free world would look like and what we should be striving to get to and this is and it's community based at a community level everything now i will ask this too so let's say for instance if we can't get to a cop-free world would you or do you think that it's good for cops to come from the same community that they police like should if I'm I'm from Mississippi, so back in Hazelhurst, yeah. should I 
not come from Jackson to be a Hazelhurst cop? Should I be from Hazelhurst and should I um, be a cop only in Hazelhurst? I shouldn't be a cop anywhere else but in my community that I'm from. For sure. And 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 I just want to frame this again. I just want to keep using language that we're learning. It's just like, that's a reformist reform. Okay. Right? Reformist that's, reform. That's, to, that's just to alleviate, which means like, make things hurt less. So with, so the, the solution that you're bringing about still results in black folks being killed by police. You right. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's, we just got to keep that in mind because popular Democrats or popular uh, politicians, whenever, whenever we're in this type of uprising where people are rising up and wanting change, they always present these same solutions, right? Body cameras, diversity, training, which are just alleviating. And we've done those for sure. at least a hundred years at for this sure. point in time. But also what, I, what I'll say is also we need to start talking about cops as blue. Mm. Mm. They're not, they're not, they're not black. They're not white. They're blue. They're, they're functioning under a completely separate system than we are in our normal lives, right? If yeah. I kill somebody, I'm going to jail. <laughs> Most it definitely, today. It don't matter if I'm in fear for my life. I'm going to jail, Yeah. right? Yeah. If a cop kills somebody, they get so many benefits of the doubt that we don't get as normal people. So it's even thinking about them as a black cop or a white cop or a brown cop or mm-hmm. a queer cop, Don't it don't make sense. Because they don't function, they're not functioning in that realm. They have their own world. We call it the blue veil. Yeah. It's difficult for us to even see past that, which is why at the core of calling for defunding the police is literally because we cannot reform them and they refuse to participate, especially here in Nashville. For sure. So it's like we need to defund them so we can at least create something that's community based so me and you can get involved. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You know what? I had a question about that too, but I'm going to kind of go back again. So one of the programs that I looked up was a community-based program, and I forgot where it is, but the program is called CAHOOTS. It stands for Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets, and it's CAHOOTS, um, and it's all about, yeah, it's about a cahoots. blueprint about, um, about like basically trying to eliminate racism from the police, trying to get there before the police so we won't get killed. So that I forgot where the program is. I just looked it up, but it's called Cahoots. And it's a hell of a program, man. I, I read all about it. So if y'all want to know more about it, check it out. I'm pretty sure you can donate to them and everything. It's called Cahoots. C A H O O T S. Cahoots is a, is a dope program, man. For sure. And those programs exist, like I said, worldwide. Yep. That's why I'm just trying to make sure, like, the reason why this is considered extreme and radical is because we don't have this conversation. So, like, uh, cure violence, right? Okay. Cure violence is global. What they do is they take people who used to be a part of the problem, mm-hmm. train them in mediation, train them in restorative, and literally all they do is canvas the area where they live. That's Thank literally you. all they do, right? That's all they do. They they make connections with young folks. Like I said, they used to be a part of the problem. So they welcomed in those rooms that normal folks ain't welcomed into. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to show you how powerful it is, right? Talk when was me. the last time you heard Chicago call Chirac on a popular news station? Ooh. Man, ever since Chief <laughs> Keith went to the last time, when did Chief Keith have a song out? That's been a minute. <laughs> The you know top, it's just it, us. That's it. It's been, it's been probably yeah, since 2008, probably. 
Yeah, and so recently, our news media have stopped referring to Chicago as Chirac because the the new mayor has reinvested into cure violence, right? Yep. And so, so ever since they reinvested into cure violence, their crime, their shootings, their gun violence mm-hmm. went down immediately, right? Because you got these credible messengers, these OGs, yeah. these killers, like the <laughs> ones with the real reputation that have come out better and are trying to just like promote peace and love in their own communities. Mm. Yeah. So using using those things like that, those credible messenger program, um, one, there's areas in New York, right, that have that haven't experienced any gunshots for years because of this program. Mm-hmm. Right. There's other countries that have these programs. So I'm just literally saying, like, we gotta keep doing our research and keep pushing for our local municipalities to fund those things because we know that those things work. The only difference is they're not set on locking anyone up. Yep, yep. And we've made that into a profit. Man, it's pretty, yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm going to get to that in a second, too. But I did want to double back around because somebody had a hell of a question about um, Metro Nashville Police Department. So let me get to that. It says, the question says, would defunding the police, the group, the entity itself, the whole idea, extend the invitation to police officers who desire and are seeking to reshape the Metro Nashville Police Department. So would there be an invitation open to people or police who want to come in and say, hey, I do believe in community policing. I want to help you guys out. Would there be an invitation for that anywhere? Right. So so I still want to frame it. Community policing is still on on police. Okay. Right. So even with that, that's still just an alleviation. Black folks still end up dying at the end of that sentence. (laughs) Straight up. What what I would say, what I would say to a police officer is honestly, I don't know what I would say. Because at this point in time, we've tried reforms. We've pumped billions, even in our local national government. Let's talk about them. Right. Um, They were the only social uh social social service are good, I guess is what you call it. Okay. But they were the only area of the budget that received an increase. Everything else was cut. Schools, healthcare, health department, child care, literally every single thing was cut except police, right? Yep. So my question to that person would be, would you rather continuously invest in cops or cages where black folks are disproportionately represented? Or where would you rather invest in little communities? Because we know schools keep folks out of prisons. Yes, we yeah. know book education keeps folks yeah. out of prison. <laughs> yes, sir. We know healthy food keeps folks out of prison. Yes, sir. So why would we keep invest investing in prisons? That yeah. doesn't make sense. We should want people to stay out. So that's right. how I would respond to that, right? Right, right. And that's a hell of a response, too. With that, so I'm, I'm going to kind of piggyback off that because you mentioned something I want to get to. There's so much going on in my head right now. But you mentioned that um, prisons as well. Now, if there was a choice, or could you do these two things at one time? Could you defund the police and also... Um, have a bill or something that takes all the money away from private prisons. Absolutely. And so in Nashville, we've been fighting to cut core civics contract, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this and like Nashville's positions in these things have like very much to do with our history, right? Mm-hmm. Like um 
you know, we're the hot, we were the hotbed for the civil rights movement. And we ain't talking about the, we talking about leaders, but we also talking about soldiers. Right. So if you ever see photos of King, especially like in Selma, it's most likely those people around him in the front of that line, yeah. Fisk, Meharry, TSU, Jefferson Street, off Buchanan, literally from Nashville. So since we have civil rights hits, I mean the heavyweights being bred and coming out of Nashville, North Nashville. For sure. The the reaction from the system was to make our city the headquarters for really nasty shit. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Really nasty shit in a vindictive way. Yep. So things like FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police, headquartered here. Ah. Um core civic private prisons headquartered here. Mm. Really nasty shit is headquartered here, right here in the, in our city. So I do like what you just said because we do need to defund, divest, and decommission while at the same time reinvesting, rebuilding, and restructuring how we view public safety. And we need them at the same time. That's why the movement has a place for everybody Mm -hmm. because everybody can't build. Some people are inclined to destroy better, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is anybody looking to get involved, find your organization. Okay. Find you an organization that 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 you love. Find you an organization, a black-led organization that has queer people in it. Find you an organization that makes you feel uncomfortable and just get to working. Right. Because we live in a time of maximum opportunity, maximum change, and you don't want to get caught on the sideline of all of this. Man, you do not. Go ahead. I was going to say, so what organizations on a local level do you suggest we get involved in? Man, you stole my question. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, get it, uh, first, I'm going to start with, my, with the ones that I'm directly connected to. Gideon's Army is right. a beautiful one. We do a lot of like what 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 people like to call mentorship, but what we call credible messages programs, but we're trying to dismantle, disrupt, and destroy the school to prison pipeline. The second one would be the Nashville People's Budget, mm-hmm. which we're trying to advocate for defunding the police to fund our social goods in our communities, but also we're really advocating for a people-based process when it comes to the budget, right? Just to give you a... I don't have it around me. I Damn. just have it printed out. I like props. Just I thought you about to pull out a prop. No, no, for sure. <laughs> Come on, man. Give me a prop. <laughs> but just to give you just to give you insight onto what our budget looked like this year, right? Yep. They were 700 pages. So if you were not an accountant... Or you weren't familiar with budgets, or if you just had a full time day job, yeah, it would have taken you so long to really see where your money was going. That is not people centered. Nope. So the Nashville People's Budget Coalition is a coalition of groups literally just fighting for a full participatory budgeting process. Ah. Also, Song Nashville does great work. Um, Path, all the way down to like the Urban Leagues, the NAACPs, mm-hmm. it's room for everybody in this fight. But you got to join up and push for change in that area. Mm-hmm. And it's dope. And you can't be afraid, too. So like you said, man, it's join something that makes you feel comfortable. Everybody doesn't have to be doing it, do, doing it, destroying. You know, join something that makes you feel good and feel comfortable. Right. Like, even like we have the National Bail Fund. We have Lawyers for Black Lives. Oh, we, have, we have Movement for Black Lives. It's literally a space for every single person. We have Workers' Dignity. 
Yeah. So it's literally a place for every single person in this fight. But what you but what you cannot do is not fight at this point in time. And it's we gotta ask for whatever we want at right now. Speaking of fighting, man, how was the protest today? Let me talk about that. Cause you just protested damn near shit, not even four hours ago. You were just out protesting and then you hopped on with us. So I appreciate that. I was like, is he is he still gonna be able to do it? She was nervous. I might got Gooch no, no. protesting and he's <laughs> podcasting. Oh, okay, come through with the bullhorn. There it is. Yeah, it's like prop. <laughs> um, so what we what we had today, the Nashville People's Budget Coalition, which is uh, Free Hearts. These are all organizations that are great. Free Hearts, Gideon's Army, Song Nashville, and a couple of other organizations that I'm just blanking on right now. We've been in this fight for the budget, especially around defunding the police. So today we had a block party. Nice. Well, we brought well, we brought folks together. We had discussions around what defunding the police has locally in Nashville. Uh-huh. One of our city, we so what we did was we took a survey, sent that out to as many people as we could get. We canvassed. We got people involved, and the survey was just based on how much would you like to divest from police because the police have the biggest budget, right. and where would you like to invest that into, right? Okay. And then we took that information packaged it in a report, and then sent that out to all the city council members just to see what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. One city council member, her name is Jenny Welch, put an amendment to the budget that would defund $109 million and then fund schools, health department, and all those other things that we indicate in our report. She essentially just took our report and made it into an amendment. And so, Is that good or bad? So we, It's good. It's good because because what we need is we need political leaders. We need our public servants to start using the the divest invest narrative. Okay, to start talking about supporting our communities. Um, but we had a block party and we were just like talking to folks, signing people up on our email serve, um, getting people to follow the Instagram, just plugging in because after this moment, we want to keep this momentum coming up by training folks, by getting them together. By doing more block parties, Most by definitely. literally like doing as much outreach as possible. Man, listen, yeah. and ha- however we can help, we are here. Like we are here for everything, all the movements, man. We just want to be a part, and we just want to use our platform. However many people that we can reach, uh, reach with our voices and reach with our work. We're down for it. We, man, listen, we're down. We're down, down. So this is what we can do. We can't make it to the protest because we got a son now, and I don't want COVID-19. I hope y'all being safe protesting with man wearing the mask. I feel like, man, I feel like our racism killed COVID. Oh, it's bad to say, but I feel that way. <laughs> it's just how I feel. Shout out to Kendrick Lamar. It's just how I feel. Now, I do have something else I'm going to get to real fast. I read that the New York... Our police department had a six billion would it be six billion dollar budget for the New York Police Department, and I'm gonna keep it real. When I looked at the budget, I know the budget goes to weapons and suits and technology, the cameras and cars. I've never seen a Crown Vic cost over $20,000. So I was wondering, why do you need $6 billion to go buy a Crown Vic? And if you got an Impala, that shit ain't going too fast either. Impalas don't cost that much either. So I don't understand. And then the cameras. I mean, dog, the cameras don't even shoot HD footage. When we get it back, you can't even use it in jail because y'all don't want to show the whole footage in jail. I mean, we can't even use it in court because y'all don't want to show the whole footage. So that makes me wonder, like, 
And with that being said, why do you need more weapons? That's what I don't understand either. I was talking to my homeboy, my guy Philip. And speaking of Philip, man, he's organizing something. Let me say this too before I forget. He's organizing a peaceful protest at the Capitol on Juneteenth at 9-11 a.m. for all black men to come out there and show the state Capitol that we are more than probably what you see us as. So he wanted, he wants us to come out there in suits. It's called 1,000 Strong Juneteenth. So we're going to do that. We're going to make that happen at 9-11 on Juneteenth. I'm still going to have a mask on, too. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but yeah, that's $6 billion, bro. I just don't understand how you can put that much money into a police department when you have community schools that don't have good curriculum. When you have kids out here that when they when they went home due to COVID, they couldn't find a good meal because they depended on school lunches to feed them. They defend they depended on school breakfast to feed them. So I just don't understand how you can put that much money somewhere when you got this many people suffering in other places. For sure. For sure. And if and if you want to if you want to drill down even to Nashville, yep. I mean there's like a tone, there's like a tone deaf dis disconnect going on, right? Right. Even in Nashville, we had people show up to the city council, literally say, We want to defund, divest away from our police and invest in schools. And what did I and what did our mayor do? He turned around and purchased two million dollars worth of body cameras for police, right? And the problem with the body cameras, so let's let's rewind. Okay. Let's just rewind the circle all the way back to 2014, 2015, the Ferguson uprising. Let's talk about that little window right there, right? Mm -hmm. When that happened, it was a couple things that we asked for. We asked for civilian oversight of police, more body cams, and more transparency. That's what we asked for, right? Okay. If we fast forward to 2020, we know that Body cams don't stop people from killing folks. If anything, they've killed more people between 2014 and 2020 than they killed between 2000 and 2014. So the killing has only picked up, right? Didn't stop anyone. Two, it didn't ensure transparency because, like you said, we don't get access to the footage, so we don't get to see it. Laquan McDonald's footage came out three years after he was killed. Yep, yep. So we already know that the body cams do not stop people from, do not stop cops from it killing doesn't. black folks, right? At all. We know it don't work. That's what I'm saying. And it it's, it's funny you say that. We already we already got Brianna that passed away. When cops came in her house, shot her. Um, I don't know if their body cam footage came. I don't know if they had body cam footage in Kentucky or not. So I, I, I'm not going to speak on that. But I do know this. And this, so nobody... So just, just to make this a broad situation, it's 100% about black people. But I saw a white person today. It was all on Instagram. Daniel Shaver got gunned down by a cop. Boom. Guess what? Cop had on the body cam. That's how the footage got out. This guy was in the hallway of his hotel room pleading for his life, doing everything he needed to do to survive. And the cop still popped him right there, laying on a dirty La Quinta Inn floor. You been to La Quinta Inn? Man, La Quinta Inn ain't even clean. And he was laying on the floor and ended up getting shot on the floor. And guess what? The cop got found not guilty. Body and cam. So even, and so, like, think about how crazy that is, right? It's just like, even so, cops rarely get arrested. Like we talked about before, they're blue, right? Yeah, they get right. a whole nother, they get a, they get a whole nother circumstance around them, right? They barely get arrested. 
They barely get prosecuted. But when they do get prosecuted, they don't get convicted. They literally just get off, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All the time. And so there's no need to try to make that work anymore. It's time to just like defund police and literally thinking about a cop-free world. If we want black folks to literally stop dying at the hands of police officers because they're Mm -hmm. not being held accountable. Even here, Jacquees Clemens, Daniel Hambrick, those two police officers are still free. Mm. And they killed them. And we saw it. We saw footage of both of those people running away and being shot down, yeah. dead. Yeah. And neither one of them are in prison. They're both free. And see, so we got to... What would it look like to just try something totally new? Yeah. And, 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 I'm going to say, at this point, it has to be totally new. Like, the, like nothing that we've done before at this point is going to work. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. And at, and at the core of it, like we said before, the foundation of the policing, especially in Tennessee... Mm-hmm. It's slave patrols, and it's all about protecting and returning property. There's no value to human life there. And if we want to value black lives specifically, then we got to do something differently. And that means we got to either get we got to get cops away. We just have to get cops away. Um, critical resistance put out this thing like a couple minutes, like a couple like years ago, okay. where they literally said, like, we have to start inventing programs to lessen our interactions with cops. Because the more interactions we have with cops, the more likely we're going to die at the hands of them. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, uh, okay. Why are those people still around then? If I got to limit my access to folks, I mean, like, let me just change it. Like, if if I can't walk down the street, then I'm not going to live on that street. I'm going to walk around it. I'm not even going to interact with it no more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Man, I saw a quote. I'm, I'm finna pull yeah. it up. I gotta find this quote, man. I'll be saving this stuff on my Instagram. Then I gotta go back and see if I find it. But it was super fire. I just saw it. It says, judging a demonstration by its most violent participants, but not judging the police force by it mo- by its most violent cops, um, is the language of the of the oppressor. So uh man, when I saw this sign, I'm like, yeah, like that's it, because we always talking about, oh man, it's just one bad apple. It's just one bad apple, man. It's not. You know what I mean? It's not. You can't. You can't just say that. We've seen a lot of bad apples continue to happen and to continue to kill black people. For sure. And, and I know. And I know you're from Mississippi. Indy, where are you from? Memphis. Memphis. Okay. So yeah. I'm from Nashville. I'm an old. I'm an old. I'm an old country boy. Yes, so if, if I walk outside and I see a fish float up to the top dead, right? Yep. Okay. I'm going to go pick that fish out and just, like, be curious about it. But what if if I go outside and see a whole lake of fish dying? It's not the fish. It's the water. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. The water's, the water's poison. So if the if in that water is slavery, right, chattel slavery, yeah. which we all know is a atrocity that our people have, have felt and just hurt us so badly. Mm-hmm. We gotta drain that lake. Like we literally have to drain it. It's not. It, it's. It's. We. We. We have gotten really good as a country at fish solving problems. Right. <laughs> yeah. We. We tell a fish like, yo, like it's okay. Like just keep be more resilient. Be stronger. Be more Superman. Right. Again, right. anti-blackness. Right. Anti-blackness. Just all will through that. So we'll tell fish. We'll even take one fish out, put them in clean water. Right. Reward them put them back in the lake and tell these other fish 
and we are deemed those like mentorship programs. Yeah. But it's the water, right? And you know where the fresh water is? It's at the ground level. So we literally have to get to that groundwater. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, we we have to gradually defund these police so that we can get to a cop-free world to where our black and brown and indigenous and our queer and our trans folks are not dying at alarming rates by police. Man, you preaching now. Hey, boys, preaching. <laughs> See what I mean? I love that. I mean, that was a hell of an analogy, too. It I was. Fish. I like to fish. My homeboy like to fish. Now, going back to it, too. When you defund the police, right? When it happens mm-hmm. and you take away mm-hmm. that money, how will we make sure that the funds get allocated in the places that need them the most? The city versus the county. You and I talked about this. Like when I take away this money, like um, you said, what, $109 million. If I take away that $109 million, how are we going to make sure that this money goes to um, lower end communities versus communities in Brentwood and Franklin? And, you know, how will we make sure yeah. that's going to happen? And that's a, that's a that's a great point. And that's why I wanted to say the second thing that's at the core of people's budget mission is making sure that there's a people centered budgeting process. Right. Okay. So not only do we need to defund these police officers, but we need to make it where our literal tax dollars or our city is allowing its citizens to participate in the budgeting process so we can make sure that our money is going to where it is, right? Okay. Because at at this point, like, we got to bug our city council person. Yeah. We got to bug our at-large person. We need to know where they sleep. We need to know (laughs) their phone number. We need to know their email and just bug them to death. Yeah. Because it's not created in a way that people can participate. I'll give you this. So on that Tuesday when we had that direct action at the at the uh, city council meeting, right? Yeah. We probably had at least two thousand people try to participate. Nice. The city council me- meeting lasted for twelve hours. Now just imagine what that would look like if every single person in Nashville participated in it. That man wow. lasts for twelve days. Shit, twelve <laughs> hours to twelve days. But that's the goal that we should be going for. Right. We should yeah. be going for a budgeting participatory process where every single person in Nashville is getting their voice heard through the budget. But you know what, so, um, I will say this. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't think that the people know that they are allowed to go to city council meetings. Yeah. I don't think that the people know that they are allowed to reach out to their city council person or their at-large person. Um, and even though, even if they know that they can't, I think it's like I'm wasting my time because this person's not even going to respond to me. I feel like that's kind of the thinking that we have adopted. That's why. That's why. That's. Oh no! I was going to say like most of most of the things that I'm finding out about going to speak and be heard. A lot of that stuff I'm just finding out now, like within the past month, and it's because it's being shared so widely across social media that you don't have a choice but to see it. So yeah. now, I mean, I don't know why. I think everybody should feel comfortable enough to go down there oh, yeah, and be sure. heard I at this point. I just don't know. I don't think that we know when, where, and how to do that. So that's what I'm asking yeah, and, you, my and, brother. And I will say, like, that information is intentionally being kept from us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's intentionally being kept from us in ways that, like, are not playing towards how we communicate, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... Like I think it's a, it's, I think it's a lot of things happening here. So if you take a zip code like three seven two eight, right? Yep. Um, where the livable wage is 
like 75000 So you need to make seventy five in salary in order to be able to live in North Nashville comfortably in 37208. Okay. Um, but the medium income is like half of that, or right around 32000 Okay. Yeah. So we got a $40,000. So in order to make that gap, you got to have like two or three jobs. Mm-hmm. So even the way, even like to ask a worker or somebody who is having to do all of that, to come to city council, to hear that voice yeah. heard. Is, and then you got kids. Yeah. You're going yeah. you to you have like so many other responsibilities on top of that. It's going to be difficult for you to make it to a city council meeting on Tuesday that's four hours and they only have an hour worth of time for to get comments. Yeah. yeah. So, so, it's, so it's, not, it's the system, like I said before, fish level, the lake is made in a way where we can't participate in ways that we want to. Like, I was talking to uh, an OG the other day, an old head that was just like, we got to vote, 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 we got to do that now. Right. And I'm just like, my young people want to vote. It's just they're not trying to vote for the same shit over and over again. You got to yeah. say some shit yeah. from there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so if we built it in a way where people would like to go, then people would go. But, wow. if, but if we're not going to build it in that way, then people are not going to do it. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's tough. Like you mentioned, you got all these other responsibilities. You can't just... You would like to make time to go there, but you just can't find the time to do it. And that's why, like you mentioned something else, we all have our phones in our hand. We all have an email in our hand. We could just email these people. But once again, we don't know where to find the email addresses. So it's like, man, I'm just running around. I want to do more, but I don't know how to do more. And that's, yeah. I think that's something that affects us as well. Like, I want to reach out to the at-large person and say, hey, at-large person, or if you're in another county or city, your alderman, and say, hey, alderman, this is what I need to happen for my particular district. I need you to go out there and fight for these, um, for these particular bills. But we just don't know how to do it. Well, when you mentioned, and, and um, I was going to say, when you mentioned voting, I think that our generation is simply just tired of voting for the lesser of two evils. It's like, like at this point, we're just tired of going to vote just because we should vote. Yes, we should vote, sure. but we we aren't presented with what we need to mm-hmm. make the proper decision on our vote. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's like, I haven't been in there before. I come from a long family that votes, right? right. Yeah. I come from a long family. And my my homie, my family will shame you if they find out you didn't vote, right? <laughs> so I done had to walk in there and technically like hold my nose because it was just like such a bad choice, bro. Yeah. Nobody wants lesser or two evils, but I will say, like, uh, I've been hearing rumblings around actually having like writing campaigns, mm. right? Literally. Because also the whole process to run, you still need a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like at the root of all of this is money, yeah. right? It's literally money. Like, how can somebody who has to take who has three jobs, right? Yep. Living in North Nashville, making twenty three salary, part time somewhere, where their income has to be seventy two with kids, but can actually lead some shit, actually know how the system works, actually can represent us, have time to run a campaign? Mm. They can't. They can't. So what we end up getting is we get people that are out of touch, don't know where we come from, yeah. aren't from our area, and get 
and already have a support system where they don't have to work. Mm-hmm. Literally. So, like I said, at the core of all of this is getting people to participate. So, so, so some concrete things that people can do yep. is literally join up with a join up with an org, okay. because organizations will teach you how. Even if they don't have a good onboarding process, they will at least teach you how to engage and at least give you an area to find your placement in. One of those things is like criticalresistance.org, right? They'll okay. have like a, a song, Southerners on New Ground. They'll have an online training where you can just watch it on your computer, on your screen, and just really get like basic information about how you can participate. And I think nice. that's what time for in. Nice. I see um, Herception. So Herception said, where can we find this information? I'll I'll tell you where I found it recently. And it was for Nashville. It was all of the at-large council members in one place. I just typed in, I went to Google and I typed in Nashville City Council. And it were boom, right there. Everybody came up. Uh, it was Nashville.gov. You can see everybody that had their phone number and their email address, and it had the times that you can go into the boards as well. So you can see that, right? You can, I'm sorry, the board meetings as well. You can see that right there. Um, I would just type in city, sit, uh, type in the name of your city, then I would type in city council meeting, and it should pop it up for you. Should. For sure. For sure. Yeah, and that'll work. And I want to say... Um, couple people that people should know, right? If you live in Antioch, your person is going to be Delisha Porterfield, depending on where you live at in Antioch. So, like you said, it's really easy. If you just Google it, it'll probably come straight up with the information. Um, if you want to find out more about, like, defunding the police, what I would say is go to a2abolish.com or go to criticalresistance.org, and they have a ton of information, especially around sparking people's creativity around what a cop-free world could look like, because literally, that is just rooted in our lack of creativity, not being able to see that. You know what I'm saying? It's dope, so, go ahead. I was going to say, so let me, let me ask you this. Just, I saw, kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit. I saw a... A graph White devil's floating advocate. around on social media, and it was basically talking about talking about the length of training for police officers in other countries, mm. where you know, in the U.S. it's a couple of weeks, but in some other countries, it's like a couple of years. So it's significantly different, and their number of killings is like Way really, more. really low. Yeah, so what, so, what I would say, so what I would say is like two to, two to three things. One is just like the idea of having a non-armed security force as a first responder uh-huh. is like is all over the globe. So that would immediately right. drop, right? So right. if you look at European com- countries, uh, Finland, um, Ireland, uh the UK for sure. They yeah. have whole departments of non-armed first responders mm. who mm. patrol, who write tickets, who do the functions that we have our armed cops do. So literally, like I said before, since the interactions with cops are limited, it's right. less likely for people to die. Right? Yeah. Right? And what I'm trying to say is we don't want anyone to die. Right. Literally. Right. No one at all. So in order to do that, 
we literally got to restructure what we think of public safety so much that cops don't exist in that restructuring, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because if cops exist at all, black folks are going to die because yeah. it is based on anti-blackness, right? It is based on racism. It is based on implicit biases. It is based on indoctrination that black folks in killing of black people is more acceptable than killing of anyone else. And also, I want to frame that while we need to talk about policing, killing folks, while I'm focusing on black folks so much, is that we know if we can get police to stop killing black folks, Mm. we can get them to stop killing every single one else. So not only are they killing black folks at an alarming rate, they're killing everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone. Yeah, that's why why I mentioned that Daniel Shaver thing. Right. So we can get them to stop killing black folks. We can get them to stop killing everyone else as well. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm, that's a, that was a good stopping point. Um, the live is getting ready to end in a minute. One minute. This is our one minute warning. So I'm going to go ahead and stop it and restart it so we can finish the conversation. We're almost done, you guys. Bear with us. We're going to stop and restart. It's, it's We're coming Sunday right back. and folks trying to go to bed. So we're we going to finish this thing on up. We'll be right back. We are back with Jamel. Here we go again. <laughs> so, yeah, man, like we were just talking about, um, India mentioned something about having longer training for police. It's funny mm-hmm. that a police can go out there and be an officer in a month. You will see him one week, you'll be like, man, you will talk to your homeboy, for example. Be like, man, I ain't got no job. I think I'm about to go ahead and be a police. Two months, a month later, he got a badge and a gun riding around in a Crown Vic. <laughs> I'm still in college. How'd you get to be a police? It takes police no time to become officers, but it takes somebody else like four years to go to college. It makes no sense. But anyway, um, I will, I would, I'm sorry, like to ask this too about the population. The black population of people, I'm sorry, the people in jail in Nashville, what's that like? Like, what's their population? What's that number look like? Great. Thank you. Thank you for that. So so let's broaden it out to Tennessee, right? Okay. Also, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Like, also, like, it's difficult to get numbers here, right? Okay. I also want to talk about that blue veil, right? It's difficult for us to measure police. It's difficult, difficult for us to measure how cops and cages are affecting us. Okay. So these are just numbers that are years of research. I want to say, yes. Yeah, so Tennessee's population is 14% black. Mm-hmm. 14%, right? But Tennessee's prison population is 40% black. Jeez. And the majority of that 40%, so like 72%, is in there for a nonviolent offense, right? Usually, what I mean when I mean nonviolent is mean that they did not harm anyone. Yep. No one at all. Right. It's literally because we have criminalized survival. Most of the time, and I and I frame it like this, and this is dangerous because usually when you talk about when you talk about defunding the police, it's hard to wrap in violence. But we we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. Like I said before, most violence happens at a community level. So right. even when it comes to something that is considered a non-violent offense, usually that's based on a need that that community is lacking. Right. So if you take a place that is food insecure. Mm-hmm. Right. People are going to do what they got to do to get food. Right. If you take a place where the medium income is 50 percent lower <laughs> than a livable wage, people are going to go get that. 
You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. And what and what I'm asking folks to imagine is what would it look like if we had a guaranteed basic income where people didn't have to go get that? Yeah. What would it look like if we had free health care, free child care, and free food programs where people didn't have to go get that? And what I believe is that people would literally not do that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know where we're getting the money from? Defunding the police. We got to start. We got to get the money from somewhere. And there it is. Yeah. And, and they keep getting more money. <laughs> so Yeah. For a crown, Victoria. You can't even get a Mustang. Come on, man. I'm riding around in so a Mustang. So you want... I mean, if you want to talk about MMPD, yeah. they took... So there's two, there's two different type of budget, budgets. There's a city budget and a capital spending budget. I don't want to go too far into the weeds, but the okay. capital spending budget has already been approved, right? And in that capital spending budget, they already spent $12 million on two new helicopters, $8 million on a new barn for our mounted patrol, and I think $17 million on renovating the sheriff's office. Did you say mounted already- patrol? <laughs> mounted patrol. Mounted, like on a horse. For the barn. Oh, mounted patrol. Mounted. Okay, like on a horse. Okay, okay. Yeah, mounted, yeah like on a horse. I got you. But it's just like, it shows what we're investing in, which is just like a militarized police force. Yeah. Which, that's only going to end up one way. We already know that all of that interaction with all of that is going to be with black folks. And it's like the power, man. It's the power that you give them. You're, you're empowering them to go out and basically, like you said, Militarize the streets, and who are the streets? Black people, plain and simple. Man. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, and be and also be used as a tool, literally for our wealthy and our elite. Like mm-hmm. I said, like the root of them are slave patrols, slave and in patrol. those slave patrols, they were serving slave owners. And what they do now is they serve rich folks, mm-hmm. and so they're using all of that militarized policing. To literally just serve the elites around us, and there's less, uh, there's more regular people than there are elites. Yeah. So that creates a tremendous contact with cops all the time. And it's funny you say that. Where and if, if people don't believe that, I give it a basically a baseline example. Where do you think these people are getting the name Karen from? The name Karen comes from when so they, they say the code. Hey, guess what? A black man is harming me. Oh. I'm on my way because it's a probably well-to-do white lady. The, the name Karen came from that. So, I mean, man, yeah, it's it's a little bit shameful to say. So, to take it a little bit off course, um, as black people, we all have very negative experiences with the police. When is was the first negative experience with the police that you remember for yourself? Mm-hmm. So, so I love I love that question, and I really do appreciate that question. Um, but I also want to center some very specific. And I heard um, Ruth Wilson Gilmore, who is a noted abolitionist, and Angela Davis also answer a similar question in a certain way, which is one: I want to center how that framing right of me talking about my experience with that is violent because I have to share my trauma for people to understand that I know what I'm talking about. You see what mm, I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's rooted on it's rooted in some white shit. Mm-hmm. Like tell me how 
somebody has harmed you, so I know you know what you're talking about. And I don't think that's what you're trying to do. No. But I wanted to center that, I wanted to center that caveat because the tool, the oppressor will do that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? They'll stick, they'll stick a news camera in your face and say, oh, so you care about domestic violence? Tell me when the tell me what Let was going on. Yeah. yeah. Right. You see what I'm saying? Straight up. Time your wife say, yes, it's weird. It's a weird thing to do. A couple of things. So 37208, we know it now. Like this stat is known, but it wasn't known before. Has a has the highest levels of incarceration in the country, right? 37208 right. in Nashville. Um, I grew up in that zip code. If we if we barrel down even further into those numbers, they have the highest incarceration rate for people that were born in 80, between 84 and 89. So I was born on the cusp of that in 89. And so my block, my area where I come from, people did not come out. You know what I'm saying? And the people who did come out, they had felonies or they lost their lives. So they lost their lives in some sort of way. That was my first negative interaction is literally having cops on every single corner, having to pass them all the time and literally them thinking that they're servicing you by over-policing your area, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Uh, two, I was pulled over in that same zip code 28 times in four years. <laughs> so it just, that just showed you how how intense the police were in on, on N37208 very specifically, like Buck Cannon before it was gentrified. So yeah. if you go down Buck Cannon and you make a right on Clarksville Highway going up to Bordeaux, yeah. yeah, like usually that area was flooded with police officers. They even had a name for it, and the name was Keep Nashville Street Safe, right? You can look it up, right? Nashville Operation Nashville Safe Streets was the over-policing of 37208, wow. which led to it having the highest incarceration rate in the country. Three, I had men snatched away from my family and watched my family get just torn apart because we had so many men that were locked up in prisons and in cages. Yeah. So I know from a personal experience that police don't equal safety. Mm. Yeah. What they... What they equal is an occupying force and a tool of the elite. And in order for us to get that away from black folks, Mm -hmm. we need to literally defund the police. Yeah. Man, you know what? That was amazing, man. I'm I'm glad you broke that down. It's funny. Um, I I never had, and this is going to sound, it's not to, to brag anything about that. I really never had a negative encounter with the police until I got to Tennessee. Being from Mississippi, everybody talks about the old SIP. In my town, I mentioned this earlier, everybody that I graduated with or everybody in my town uh, was a small town too, so I can say that. I say all that with a caveat, small town. But my classmates went on to be police officers, so they were from the community. Um, and they knew who everybody, like small town, we knew who everybody was. So he means was, small town, like you can count the stoplights in his small town. Three of them, three of them. <laughs> like he, he talked about small, like when he say small, small. <laughs> and I'm going to say this too. Um, I'll, I'll tell anybody this. One of my best friends from back home, God bless the dead. He didn't die from violence or anything. He was a police officer. I spoke at this man's funeral. He was a cop. Probably the coolest cop. He put, you know what I'm saying? Gave you a chance every time. So I'm not saying, I'm not coming over here to bash the police or anything. I said, my best friend, God bless the dead, was a police officer. I always, I, I say that out loud. But when I got to Tennessee, oh my God. 
oh my God, it was just nasty. And then you see it on the news. It happens right in front of you. So now that one good cop can't even be respected now because all of the shit the bad cops are doing. You know what I mean? So I, I, nah, I can't. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. No. Were you about to say yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it was a study that I read one time that literally talked about there's no such thing as good cops mm. or there's no such thing as one, one bad cop. Right. Right. Because what we know at this point is we know like the way our structures of policing are set up and the way that social circles are formed, bad officers usually hang out with bad officers. So just Mm -hmm. getting rid of one doesn't do anything because that culture culture is still there. And I also want to say very straight up. Like some of our people who go into policing with the ideal ideas around like wanting to serve the community, wanting to be a piece of public safety. What would those people do if our schools were fully funded and our teachers got paid more than cops? Probably be you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. A coach, we all got cool coaches, you know what I'm saying? But also, what would it look like if we had like a fully functioning mediation systems that function outside of police. And that would yeah. be dope because he would he would have probably went on to be that. Cause I mean that's the kind of person you know he was. You know, he would he, he was super like non-confrontational, just a cool dude. You know what I mean? He just wanted he just he was just a cool guy. And um, yeah, you're right. So had that money been put in place in other places, who knows? He would have been one of those community um community leaders. Yeah, see, and so we have to start literally like divesting out of policing. Understand. So that we can start investing in other things so Understand. we can at least give our the people who want to service our community into other areas outside of policing. Because if they're in policing, there's always a chance that they're going to kill someone because they are literally trained. They are literally seen. They literally see danger in everything. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. can always be a suspect. Everyone is a suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so until we actually start building something else, and divesting in the funding police, they're always going to end up killing black folks at an alarming rate. Man, my brother, this was great. And I don't want to keep you too long. But you, you got something to say? Go ahead. No, I was I just saying, I, I just think that it's I a lot of... question. I was just going to say, I think it's just a lot of unlearning that we all have to do as a people. Because when you said, like, what if the teachers made more than the police officers... Like you, you, you never even like thought about that. I was actually an education major, and I changed my major because I knew I wanted to make more money. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's bad to say. It's real spill. But they don't get the pay they deserve. And and our and our teachers and our teachers are just as important to making sure our communities are safe as our police are. Like yeah. literally, like literally, without a shadow of a doubt. I, don't, I so I I work at I worked at Pearl Cone for like a year or well two years, mm-hmm. um, and I've literally had students that were about to go do some dirt call me before they went and did it. Oh, for sure. And everybody has that experience in high school. So if your teachers were literally trained to do that, and they actually got compensated for the amount of work that they do supplying, and they had books. We could literally like stop crime, stop violence, end poverty through education. But instead of doing that, our money is always being poured into this militarized, this weaponized policing force that cannot do law enforcement. 
Man, okay. Yeah. And I know we I know we about to wrap this. Now you're good. But I need good. people, I need people to think about this, right? Yeah. Police don't do law enforcement, they do order maintenance. They show up after the fact, they show up after the crime has already been done, and they can't prevent anything from happening, right? They can only order the maintenance. I mean, they can only maintenance the order after the harm has already been done. So we got to start working to actually prevent things by educating folks, teaching students, having fully funded schools, having fully funded healthcare systems, and having free and equitable childcare. Man, I, I love the fact you keep mentioning community. I got a quick story. Then we'll wrap probably in a second, but I got to tell this story. This happened to me about maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Don't mind me where I was finna go. I was finna go to a cycling class. Don't don't worry about me. You know, I got I got problems. I'm going to a cycling class. Don't worry, worry about yourself. I'm in shape. Uh, now listen, I was getting ready to go to a cycling class. And I stopped at the shell on um damn shell in East Nashville, man, on 10th, on 10th Street. 10th Avenue, whatever it is. But I stopped at that shell to get me a water because right down the street from the cycling class I was about to get ready to go to. Man, it was these group mm-hmm. of five young men had dreads. You know, young. You can tell they were young because the shit they were buying. Now, ladies, like, you know, just little random knickknacks and stuff. Man, they get to the front. I guess they were making commotion. They, was, they wasn't moving fast enough for the clerk. Clerk gets upset with them. I wish I were her. He said something to him, and boy, Spark, spark the fire in them. Man, they arguing back and forth, and it was the clerk, it's clerk's fault. It was um a white person there kind of egging them. I wish they'd go ahead and go on. So now they're arguing with this person too. I stepped in and I said, listen, man, hey, I'm finna buy all this stuff. It was something about the money or something. They rang up something twice, bro. I got it. I'm buying everything. It's on me. I told those kids, get out of there and go home because dude had already called the police at that point. Man, y'all go home. I bought your stuff. It's on me. And I, what I want for y'all, I told him it's too. What I want for y'all, man, is to be safe. I just want y'all to go home and enjoy your damn now, ladies. Because the police come, it's not going to turn out the way you think it is. Even though it was other people that had said they were right. The police weren't going to hear that. They were going to see that dreads. One had his pants sagging. That's all they were going to see. So I wanted those kids to go home. I told her. I called her immediately and told her what I just did. And and top for all intents and purposes, they went home. They said, man, pr- thank me, appreciate, very grateful too, and went the hell on home. And see, and, and that right there, what if that was your job? Literally to find situations like that in your community, in your neighborhood, where your neighbors are, mm-hmm. and literally just use whatever tool in your arsenal to defuse it. Yeah. Um, and, what's, and what's crazy, what you just talked about, is very similar to the Joy Floyd case. The person who called the police was concerned over a counterfeit bill, yep. right? And this and this young person, who I'm assuming is a young person, was just trying to do their job to survive. Also, if we go a little bit deeper, from what I understand, the owner of the store is a Palestinian and hires his neighbors. It was so a this Palestinian. Is a commu- <laughs> this is a community place. This is not community. But what happened is, they ended up participating in this harm and in this violation that our entire community has felt because of us constantly investing in police. Also, the police officer, there's a police officer stationed in this community area, and they're a deputy officer. Mm. So this all of this is happening in a framework that literally does not make any sense, and we need to start talking about 
not having these things around and expand our public narrative around community safety. And there, there. it is. And man, man, I appreciate you, my brother. Listen, um, I want you to do one more thing for me. I want you to tell people, and this is we're gonna wrap it after this. Tell people where they can go find more. And you already said it like three times, but we gotta end it like this. Tell people once again where they can go find information, where they can go join the organization, and also how they can educate themselves more about defunding the police if they want to. For sure, for sure, for sure. And, and, and before I do that, I want to give people kind of like a window into the future of these steps, right? Please do. This is the only first step in what defunding is. And all of these things are happening at the same time. Okay. So one, we need to defund police. Two, we need to decriminalize or demilitarize communities. Three, we need to remove police from schools. We need to get SROs out of schools. Four, we need to free people from jails and prisons. Five, we need to repeal laws that criminalize survival. Six, we need to invest in community self-governance. Seven, Provide safe housing for everyone and not invest in care, not cops. Love it. And by doing those nine, eight things, I can't count, but by doing those things straight up, by doing those things, we actually get to a place where cops are no longer needed. Therefore, cops do not kill black, brown, indigenous, queer people at all. Um, and so if you want to tap in with me very specifically, like it's Nashville Red on every single social media site. Um, I'm also a part of the I'm also the deputy director of Gideon's Army. I'm also a part of the Nashville's Budget Coalition, Nashville's People's Budget Coalition. Also, if you want to tag in on local stuff, Song Nashville does good work. Free Hearts does good work. The Community Bell Fund, Gideon's Army. Mm -hmm. All of those places, you know, are good for me, you know, and I want to say I appreciate it. But also we got to demand change now. So yeah. people are going to ask you to vote. That is great. But we need you to be moving right now. We cannot wait for every voting cycle to actually get some change. Mm -hmm. It's time now, today, this minute, this hour, this week. It needs to happen right now. My brother, listen, dog, I appreciate you more than you know. I appreciate the work. I appreciate the knowledge. Now, I appreciate you more than anything for coming on She and Our podcast to spread the knowledge and kick this great flavor. So, dog, from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate you, my brother. And we, we stand with you, too, man. And I want to have you on again in like a month or so because I want to keep people updated on for the sure. progress. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And next time we can talk about like the Community Oversight Board. Or what, or what we got going here. You know yeah, yeah, we're, absolutely. We, we can just keep drilling down to what we got going on here. But I want to say I appreciate y'all for lending y'all platform for this message because we got to do something right now. Man, thank yeah. you. Th thank you, my brother. Listen, next time we're going to keep Flavor in person. We might have to wear masks, but we're going to keep Flavor in person. We're going to have a panel. Us, you, so our Janisha going to be on. We're going to have a whole panel of these dope people on there talking about black shit. So, dog, India, tell the people where they can find you. India.Marie on Instagram. I wasn't going to say I was trying to keep it very professional. Okay, well, you can this find me at right Love 1911 <laughs> on all social platforms. And man, thank y'all. Like we always do about this time, it's been real. It's been fun. She, she, I, 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 I,